Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the snooze button. Another episode. I hope you all had a great festive 4th of July filled with fireworks. Ideally that you saw and not that you used. Don't want anyone blowing off a finger. Um, and I will speak for myself. I was out of town with my family. So we were traveling. So I felt like this was the perfect time to talk about travel and sleep schedules because well, number one, my kids slept great because I mean, I would be a fraud if they didn't, right? But for me, sleep and travel is not a particularly stressful thing. And I want that to be the case for all of you if it is a stressful thing for you. And if not, hopefully these are just some good tips to keep it up. Um, and the second thing is it's one of the most common questions that comes up during our time together with my one-on-one clients. Like even if there isn't a big travel plan coming up, I often will be asked at some point, like while I have you, you know, wanted to ask about travel, what should we do about XYZ? So I will say that there are so many components to travel and sleep in general that I'm going to do an entire series on this. I don't know how many episodes, a lot, right? We'll probably do one that's just about time zone adjustments, one that's just about air travel, things like that. Um, But for now, I'm going to kind of start with the basics, which is just sleep and staying on schedule. So this is true if you have a toddler, but even more so if you have a baby who hopefully is on a schedule, um, or even if you follow wake windows, like whatever your process is, you have a good routine in place. If you're feeling nervous about hitting the road, I want to give you some of my like best kind of high level tips. So what I will say first of all is the best thing you can do to have a baby that sleeps well on trips is for them to sleep well at home. You know, it's kind of the same concept as sleep regressions. You know, when I hear somebody say like, oh, they were the perfect sleeper um, until they hit four months and then everything fell apart. Once I dig into it, that's rarely actually the case, right? And with travel and sleep, it's the same thing. You don't have kids typically, especially babies, who are excellent, independent self self uh self-soothers, wow, (laughs) independent sleepers who can self-soothe, who are on a great schedule, um, you know, who are eating consistently at at good times, and then they go on a trip and like everything falls apart. That's pretty rare, right? So the best thing you can do is have a good sleep foundation to begin with. That is number one. So if you're listening to this and you have a trip planned in a month, now is actually the time to start thinking about how you're going to make your trip easier because you're going to get sleep on track now, right? Other big thing is don't use blackout curtains. If you guys follow me on Instagram or you've heard other things I've said here, um, not a fan of blackout curtains. Should the room be darker when baby is sleeping than when they are not? Of course. We want to close the blinds, close the curtains, the shutters, whatever it is. But do not create a perfect cave for your child so that when you go to an Airbnb and they have bamboo curtains, you are just SOL right? Like they have never slept in anything except pitch black and it's completely alarming and your whole trip is ruined, right? It's just so silly. So babies and toddlers, everybody can adjust to sleeping with a little bit of light and it's going to make your life so much easier because even if you don't travel a ton, you will travel sometime and you'll be so glad if that is just one less thing you have to worry about. I am very, very rarely in situations traveling with my kids where I could even make a room blacked out other than like pre-shipping Amazon, you know, cardboard paper to the to tape to the wall ahead of the trip, which is just absolutely crazy. So, and I know that people do that and I don't want you to have to do that. Those are the two things 
kind of overarching, right? You can think about those many weeks or months in advance even when you're planning a trip. So let's assume you have a trip coming up, right? And we're thinking you have a trip coming, you know, in a couple of days, in a week. As like an overarching kind of thought for you to have, a little bit of planning and thoughtfulness, maybe more than you've done in the past, goes a long way. There is so much drama and challenge that can be avoided if you just take a little bit of extra time to plan. I feel like this is kind of one of those overlooked things. I know that vacation is supposed to be fun and relaxing, but if you don't take any time to plan and really think through these things, it has the opposite effect. It's not going to be relaxing if your kid's up five times that night because you just completely threw caution to the wind for a day at the beach, right? There's there's going to be a little bit of a balance. So what starts before you even leave, before you go on this trip, think through the things that you actually need for your child. I know this sounds dumb, but like this takes some headspace. You actually have to sit down and be like, okay, when they go to sleep and for them to sleep well, what are all of the things that our family has? Probably there's white noise, okay? So do you have a travel white noise machine? Or do you use a fan? If you're going somewhere, do they have a fan there? Maybe you don't even need to bring one. Do you have a pack and play? Do you have travel-sized pack and play sheets? Do you have a sleep sack? Do you have a backup sleep sack in case they blow out or something happens? Right? Like think through all of the little things. What is the temperature going to be in the place you're going? Should you pack long sleeve PJs or short sleeve PJs? Do you have your overnight diapers? All of these little things that are going to help you be successful when you get there. Maybe you read a certain book. Make sure you write this stuff down. Like, do I have everything on my list before I leave? We have we always read Goodnight Moon. Make sure you have Goodnight Moon. It sounds so silly, you guys, but like your routine could be a little bit upended if you always read Goodnight Moon to your two-year-old and then you get there and there's no Goodnight Moon, you know? So be thoughtful about that stuff. Other thing to do before you even leave is try to be as consistent as you can with sleep in the days leading up, especially the day of travel and the day before. You know, it's probably not great to have late night rager, movie night, the night before you have to get up early for a trip, right? It's probably not the day to go to the zoo and have everyone nap in the stroller and then you have to get up tomorrow morning for a big trip, right? So try to make sure everyone is as well rested hydrated as possible before you even leave so we start off in a really good place okay so also before you go this is not the time to make big changes so if you're thinking about potty training if you are thinking about moving to a two-nap schedule about moving to a one-nap schedule not great to do this four days before your trip right because no matter what things will probably be a little bit funky on a trip so the last thing you want to do is throw a huge change into the mix right before you go. So like again, just make it easier on yourself. No big changes, if at all possible, like moving to a new schedule or starting solids or switching formulas, whatever, right before your trip. And then take a little bit of time. If this is possible, it isn't always. If it's possible, take a little bit of time to think through where everyone is going to sleep. So if you're at a hotel, like I will run through these things in my mind and be like, okay, it's a two-bedroom, three-bath. I bet one of the bathrooms will be big enough that I can put a pack-and-play in there. So like, I'll for sure just plan on Delaney sleeping in the bathroom. And again, I'm not worrying about blackout curtains, right? I'm going to bring my own fan or white noise machine, so it doesn't matter if there isn't a fan that works in that bathroom. And pro tip, if you put babies in a bathroom, oftentimes there is a fan, right? There's a separate switch with a fan, so you might not even need it, right? So you're thinking through all these things. Where is everyone going to sleep? Like, if you're going to someone's house... 
or you're going to be sharing house with someone and they've been there you've been there before you're thinking through like oh yeah there's that smaller office like is jerry going to need to work in the mornings or we plan to have penelope's morning nap be in there right you're just like spending a few minutes being thoughtful about what's going to happen so when you get there just a little bit less stressful you kind of have a game plan for what you're going to do so that was really before you go some stuff to think through to set you up for success now when you're actually leaving and you're like this is the day we're going to go goes back to my first point a little bit of planning and thoughtfulness can help so much so a lot of this is planning like what's going to happen right before we leave and if you can control this when are you going to leave so I often will tell families if they have a baby, especially if it's a nursing baby, but honestly with formula too, if you have to get up at like 4 or 5 a.m. for a flight and your baby, you know, usually sleeps through the night until 7 a.m. or 6.45, what I tell them to do and I do myself is I wake them up right before we're going to leave, right? Say we have have to leave at 5 a.m. and feed them then. Yes, I know that's adding a feed that they don't typically take, but the last thing anybody needs in an airport or on an airplane is a screaming, starving baby. And if you're leaving at 4 or 5 a.m., guess what time you're probably boarding the plane? Probably like 7 a.m. or 6.30, right? Talk about a nightmare. Also, if you're nursing, you might be like engorged and in pain and like leaking all over the tarmac. Nobody wants that. Literally no one wants that at all. So you introduce a feed. So by the time you get to 7 a.m., baby is content, hanging out, and you can nurse them again at takeoff, right? works like a charm. Again, just a little bit of thoughtfulness so you aren't like trying to keep them asleep until 7 a.m. and then realizing as you're boarding that they're actually starving and they're screaming, right? We're just thinking through these things a little bit before you go. Same thing if you're timing a road trip. Let's say you're going on a road trip and it's like six or seven hours. What is a good time to leave? And again, I'm speaking a lot to like babies here, but I'll give an example with toddlers and bigger kids as well. If you have a baby that's eating multiple times a day, A good time to leave is not right before their nap. I know what you're thinking, but that would be great, Brittany. They could sleep in the car and take their nap in the car. Yes, but you just told me you have a six-hour road trip, which based on your feeds could mean you only have to stop once to feed them. But if you leave right before their nap, they're going to be up in an hour and a half. You're going to have to stop to feed them because that's their feed time. They're going to be hungry, and then you're going to have to stop again three or four hours later, right? We're actually making our road trip more efficient by feeding them and immediately leaving after. So anytime I'm traveling with my kids, any times that I've had a baby who's still taking multiple feeds, you know, is nursing throughout the day, we always leave right after they eat, no matter what, because that always means we're gonna have to stop the fewest times. It can be as, as efficient as possible. And especially if you have other kids in the car or hell, everybody, right? Nobody wants to be in the car for an extra hour because mom had to stop and nurse Charlie three times because she didn't think it through, right? That's going to help you. And if you're thinking, but Brittany, if I put the baby in the car seat right after they feed, they might get drowsy and fall asleep and then their whole nap schedule is messed up. I completely understand that. And I think this is where my next next suggestion really comes into play, which is you're not going to be able to control on busy travel days sleep as much as you'd like. You know, I really at any age you cannot control that the time they're supposed to go down for their nap is when the pilot gets on and says, you know, we're in a holding pattern and it's really bumpy and they can't fall asleep. Or it happens to be the time that you're standing in the rental car line. I mean, who knows? There's a million things that could be going on. What you can control is when your baby eats. So if your baby is on a schedule, 
you can feed them at their feed times, even if the sleep is a little bit erratic, even if after you feed them, they're on the plane, they start screaming. So you give them the passy and they pass out. And honestly, between you and I, like I would much rather a baby off schedule who's not screaming on an airplane than the other option, right? So you can't control the sleep always. You can try to pay attention to it. You can try to put them in the carrier and kind of shush pad and tell them it's time to sleep, but it's not always going to work. But you can control when you feed them. And that's going to help them when you get there because their body is still going to be on that schedule, even if the sleep was a little bit erratic. So if you've anchored your baby's day, this travel day, by the feeds, right? You're trying to stay on track as much as possible. Sleep isn't perfect. Then the question that might be in your head now that I'll often get is, okay, so assume that, you know, the first nap was really weird or the second nap didn't happen or they, they slept, you know, at the wrong time. Then what do I do next? So for the other naps, do I shift everything half an hour? Do I put them to bed early? Do I try to keep them up? And for that, I want you to be as thoughtful as you can and adjust when your baby or toddler tells you they need it. So that means, let's say in between two feeds, you were on the plane, your baby usually would be awake for about an hour and a half, and then they would take an hour and a half nap. Instead, they fed, then they passed out for 15 minutes, then they woke up with, you know, a, with a jar to the pilot's voice, and then they passed out for another 30 minutes later, maybe 40 minutes, and, you know, soon it was time to eat again. If they're content and in a good mood, I probably wouldn't do much of anything, right? They got a decent amount of sleep. It's not the full hour and a half that we want, but it's okay. On the other hand, maybe you have a baby that doesn't sleep at all on the plane. They're hysterical. They're crying. Their ears hurt. They're out of their zone and it's close to bedtime and they are just absolutely exhausted. Then yes, maybe we put them to bed like 20 minutes early, right? A little bit early because they've had a long day, but you don't need to really make adjustments to your schedule unless your baby is telling you with their exhaustion that they need it and you know that they've missed a decent amount of sleep. If they got pretty much the amount of sleep they get on a typical day, even if it was at weird times, I probably put them to bed at their normal bedtime when you arrive at your destination. So you're making a little bit of adjustments as you need because you're paying attention. You know, when one of my kids is traveling, especially as a baby, I'm just paying attention. I would like them to sleep at their sleep times, but you can't always control that when you're traveling. So you know, now that I have older kids, I might say, is your sister sleeping? Is your sister awake? I'm just trying to track like, are we getting any sleep back there? Are we wide awake? Are we passed out for three hours? It's going to help me make a decision later in the day based on their mood. If Even if they missed a bunch of sleep, if their mood is fine, I keep on track. But if I know that they didn't get any sleep, then I might make some adjustments just to make sure that they're not super overtired. So let's assume now you've arrived at your destination. I'm going to go back to my word of the podcast episode, thoughtfulness. So when you get there, set up the room pretty quickly, even if your baby's not going to nap yet, because I want you to have fun on your vacation and like go do fun things and explore. But like, let's get that squared away first, because you do not want it to be nap time. And you have your toddler and your baby who are now exhausted and overtired, and you haven't really thought through where everyone's going to sleep. You have not put the crib sheets on the pack and plays yet you can't remember how to set up the pack and play like do you see this i can just see this happening to a family like you're excited you get to the hotel you get to the airbnb you immediately run to the beach and now it's just like it's nap time and it's a disaster we don't know where we're sleeping we're fighting there's all this stuff going on so just take a little bit of time when you arrive and say okay the bathroom actually is not big enough for caitlin to sleep in so let's think through okay we'll put her in the master right? We're making these thoughtful decisions ahead of time. 
so that when it is time for naps, it's not going to be a big deal. So you're there, you're on vacation, the room is set up well, you paid attention to how much sleep they were getting during the travel day, you anchored your day by feeds, things are going fine that first night. But the next day, the plan is to go to the pool all day, or there's going to be a late dinner that your mother-in-law really wants you to attend at 8 p.m., So the next question, I'm literally just giving you guys the questions I get all the time. So I hope this is helpful. I'm just riffing off of every question I always get and the follow-up questions that always come from them. The next one always is, well, like, do I have to quit the activities I want to do in order to keep the baby on schedule because I don't want to not have fun, but I'm worried that their sleep is just going to deteriorate and it's going to be horrible if I don't stay really consistent and strict the way I do more so maybe at home or I'm able to do more so maybe at home. So this is when the thoughtfulness in some ways to me is the most important. You need to find a balance and it's going to be different from everyone. You need to find a balance between relaxing, having fun, not being psychotic about your schedule, but also being thoughtful enough to get close enough to it that it doesn't have the opposite effect. I kind of alluded to this at the beginning. To me, it is not thoughtful and is not going to help you to say to your family when you have a four-month-old, yeah, we'll just go to the beach all day, whatever. Um, She she sleeps, she sleeps, whatever, we'll see. Because, I mean, let me be clear, maybe it'll be fine, maybe it'll be perfect, but if it's not, you're going to have an unpleasant night, most likely, right? But I also wouldn't want you to say, well, well, grandma... Aunt uh, Charlene, I'm not going to the beach at all. I'm just going to be locked in the hotel room with uh, the baby here because if she doesn't take all of her naps in the crib, it does, isn't on her perfect schedule, then all hell is going to break loose. That's also, t- from my perspective, not an option. So let me give you a real-time example of what I did with my, at the time, four-month-old Delaney when we were in Key West when she was four months old. So I knew two things. I knew that in the middle of the day, Like, you know, we're talking late morning, early afternoon. We would want to be doing fun stuff as a family. I also knew that in the late afternoon, I would want my older kids to be taking a nap. So that one to me was a bit guaranteed. I can have her third nap of the day always be in the crib because the kids are going to be home. We're all going to be napping, right? Like I want all the kids home. And it was easy for us to plan around that sort of two or three hour period in the late afternoon. And honestly, when you're on like a tropical vacation, everyone wants to take a nap, right? Either you've been drinking pina coladas or you've been playing a little bit too much, you know, bocce outside, whatever. So that was fine. So I said to myself, I want to have a free morning with the other kids. I want to enjoy my other family members who are here and not be tied to the house. So what I did was, again, just thoughtful. At the time, she was on a three-nap schedule. I decided to put her down for her first nap about 20 minutes early each day, 15 or 20 minutes early. She was fine with that. Sometimes she would roll around a little bit and not sleep until, as I recall, it all feels hazy. This is why we all keep getting pregnant, because you forget so quickly all of the things that go with pregnancy, labor and delivery, having a baby. So by like when two or three years pass, you're like, I wish I had another little baby. And then you remember. So this is fuzzy, even though she's only 10 months old right now. I digress. So I decided to put her down a little bit early for that first nap because we were staying in a house with our larger family. It was very easy for me to like start making a little breakfast for the kids, hang out, go drop her down in the crib 
a little bit early for her nap, even if she only slept for like 45 minutes, I wanted her to get that like nice solid hour in her crib where it was dark and cool. She was alone with her little baby thoughts and then she wouldn't be overtired later in the day. So for the middle nap of the day, we were in Key West, I think for 10 days. She never took her middle of the day nap in her crib ever. And this, when she was at home, was always in her crib for a solid hour and a half, excellent napper. And she never had it in her crib. She was always being held by me on the beach in a patio chair, whatever. And the naps were weird. Sometimes she would nap for an hour on my chest. Sometimes I would lay out little blankets for her and she would kind of sleep for 45 minutes. Somebody, you know, somebody else would hold her. She'd be in the stroller, you know, checking stuff out in town, town. <laughs> now I'm getting an accent. See, if this podcast goes over 20 minutes, I just start to lose it. So I, I'm apologizing in advance. So we're walking around town. Um, and then the last nap of the day, she always got in her crib. And the reason that thoughtfulness was so important is because I was able to make sure that she basically bookended some time in her crib and was getting good restorative sleep so that in the middle of the day, I could kind of do whatever I wanted. And it just wasn't a big deal because she had a good sleep foundation. And then at night, same thing. I did something thoughtful. So at the time, at four months, she was taking five feeds a day. Her bedtime was seven. In order for us to have fun with our family, it was not possible for us to have dinners so that I could put her down at seven. It just was not possible. So at home, she would have her last nursing session around like 6.30, 6.45 before I put her down. So what did I do here instead? I added a feed in. Yes, I did. Because we would often be going to dinner around 6.30, which is when she would be eating at night for her bedtime feed, right? So I would either nurse her or I would give her a little bottle while we were on the ferry or while we were sitting down to eat at her normal feed time. Remember, I'm anchoring our day by the feeds. She would sleep on and off. She might be awake all the time. She might sleep all of the time, but she wasn't being put down the way she usually was. So when I got home, which usually was around 8, 830, and she was usually awake, I still wanted her to have the structure of feeding then having her little bedtime routine and going to bed. And I wanted to make sure that she was nice and full. doesn't really matter. So I would give her another feed at like 830 before bed. She basically had a bedtime feed and then she had this weird like aperitivo hour, I guess. I don't know. You can make decisions like that when you have a baby with a good sleep foundation. I thought through what are these little thoughtful tweaks I can do to set her up for the best success without derailing my vacation. I wanted to go to dinner with everyone at 7 p.m. I wanted to spend the day on the beach, but I wasn't going to do it at the expense of her getting good sleep. And frankly, I wouldn't be getting good sleep either if I just completely threw caution to the wind. Um, and then she was up all night because I like didn't feed her at normal times and she was hungry or she got no naps and was super overtired. You get what I'm saying. So the tweaks that you make will be different for each family, but just finding a thoughtful balance between enjoying yourself, but not being kind of reckless, if you will, with all of it. At the end of the day, a baby who has a good sleep foundation, a toddler who has a good sleep foundation, is not going to be derailed by a couple of weird days. They just aren't. It is a fact, okay? Even if you're in a situation, let's think about like the worst possible travel kind of, you know, situation. You were sharing a house with relatives and for some reason your baby is, you know, going through a leap or something and they're suddenly waking up four times a night and you cannot let them cry. You can't do lay pause. You can't do anything because, you know, there's a family in the room next door with a newborn. So you have to jump in right away and like stop any sound from happening. 
And therefore, the only way to get them to stop crying because they're not used to you picking them up and they're confused is you have to feed them. Now you had a baby who hadn't been eating overnight and now they're eating twice a night because, you know, you've gone off, off the rails. Or they get sick and they have a horrible fever and you're worried so you go in and, and you're trying to give them medicine and they're crying and blah, blah, blah. Even if that kind of stuff happens and you're just like really off for two or three days, you go back home, you get right back on track and you will be fine. The only time things truly go off the rails for babies who have a good sleep foundation is if you let a couple of weird days become their reality long term. You're like, well, I guess they're feeding twice a night over, you know, again, that's what we're doing now. We're going to we're just going to eat all night. No, you're going to say that was a really strange three days in Big Bear. I wouldn't go to Big Bear. That was a bad example. It was a really weird three days in, I don't know, Paris. That would be fun. Um, And now we're back and it's fine. We're going to go back to what we were doing before. Trust me, if they have a good sleep foundation, it's going to take a night, a night, maybe two nights and everything is going to be back to normal. So I hope that gives you confidence that you have the tools to have a great, happy sleeper on vacation and you can have fun and go off schedule and still have a baby who sleeps really well. You just have to be thoughtful. Okay, I hope that was helpful, guys. I, if you have other ideas for travel series podcasts, oh my God, my son is, what is he doing? He just took the hose and is spraying the hose at the window where I'm sitting. Five-year-olds are chill. Um, If you have ideas for other travel topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, don't forget to email us, podcast at brittanysheehan.com. That is the podcast specific email address. If you have ideas for guests you want to see or for topics you want to have covered or you just have feedback or thoughts, they have to be nice thoughts though. Don't be mean to me. Um, I'd love to hear them. And until next week, love you guys. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.